Today is wrapping up our series on the names of Christ. We've got a new series next week, uh, really working on uh, the Sermon on the Mount over the next few weeks through, the, uh, through Lent, uh, and I'm really uh, excited about that series. But today, I wanted to pair the names and the titles of Jesus with a question about practicality and how do we access it. You know, we've had some big names of Jesus in this time. It's actually similar to the song that was sung at the beginning of Ride On King Jesus, right? He is king. He is Alpha and Omega. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the first and the last. I mean, he is all the things. And yet here we are as actual mortals and humans, and I truly believe there are some moments where we go, well, how do we access that? What do we do with that reality? with the fact that God made everything that we can see and that we can still barely comprehend for as smart as our scientists are, smart as our philosophers, we are still only scratching the surface of the glory of God. Only scratching the surface of the mysteries of the universe, of all these things, and one of the greatest mysteries is how God actually uses people like us. I actually would say that's far more confounding than galaxies and Milky Way is actually the question of, you mean Jesus is going to use me? You mean that the God who created the heavens and the earth is actually looking at this world and looks at people like you and me with all of our frailty, all of our brokenness for the brief span of time that we even exist on this earth and Jesus chose us. What do we do with that? How do you actually process that and comprehend it? Uh, I even think sometimes as humans, we are tempted to imagine that our trials and tribulations, whatever it is, a family member who's sick, uh, uh, unique times in the life of a church, whether it's uh, our own having kids at whatever particular age they are, or sometimes having parents at whatever particular age they are. There are times where we imagine, oh Lord, how do I do this thing? You mean you want to use me when I am drowning with X, Y, or Z? And I'm going to start today with the author of Hebrews and the book of Hebrews. Uh, Because for 11 chapters, the author of Hebrews is building up a massive argument about how God has been leading person after person after person to the place of Jesus being crucified on the cross, asking then the question for us, what are we going to do? Uh, the, The ending of that portion where he is quoting all of these Old Testament authors, all these Old Testament leaders and speakers, is in the 11th chapter, and he goes through Abel, as in Cain and Abel, through Enoch, who probably most of y'all haven't heard of. He goes through uh, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. He even says in the end, he's got this massive list at the kind of near the end of Hebrews 11, where he walks through a list of people, and I've even gotten to, and he just goes through a list of people that he hadn't even gotten to yet. My point is not to re-argue that piece for the first 11 chapters, but rather to set up what's about to happen in the 12th chapter, uh, because while we don't believe Paul wrote the book of Hebrews, uh, in fact, uh, although sometimes people say that that's what happened, anytime you get to a place in scripture where you spend 11 chapters building up an argument, and then at the beginning of the 12th chapter, it begins with the word, therefore, 
You then have to pay attention to what's about to happen. And so we are going to read Hebrews 12, where it begins, Therefore, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the founder, leader, and perfecter of our faith. We're going to come back to that phrase. If you've heard it differently, just put a pin in that. For the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us run the race that is before us. I think about this often in terms of a relay race, right? Where there is a group of people that have passed on the faith that we have received, and our job is to actually pass along that faith to the next generation, to do our part in the leg of the race that we have. Uh, Lauren Gerlach uh, has often, when she started doing her studies of early church founding fathers, there's a phrase, particularly with those who were focused on the apostles and the Nicene Creed, is that their job is to protect and defend the faith. That's not something we think about very often, but if you think about ourselves in a race where you have a baton that has been passed from one to another, the goal is to remain faithful, do not, do not be weary, do not lose hope, and then to pass along that peace to the next generation. Um, it is perhaps easier for me to understand that because I feel that very heavily here at St. Andrew. That was a baton that Robert had from 1986 until about two years ago or last summer in some long process of handoff. And the amount of responsibility and weight that I have and the other pastors have to say, how do we hold on to that? to the character of this church, to the character of the way that God has lived out his faith with us. My job is to be faithful to the God that was faithful to the, to the generation before me so that I can pass along not just their story, but their story and my story to another generation that is able to protect and defend the faith that we have. This is the obligation. And then there are moments where you sit there and go, me? Are you sure? <laughs> Jesus, I'm pretty sure you might have gotten a name wrong somewhere. There ought to be someone else. There's some piece of each of us in all of our lives where we go, Lord, why me? Sometimes it's, this really stinks. Sometimes, why do I get this blessing and not others? Sometimes it is, God, what are you doing? I don't know what to make of this. And I want to highlight this phrase uh, that is also in Romans and Hebrews 12 too where it says, fix our eyes upon Jesus. The way you've often heard that probably is the author and perfecter of our faith. I changed it, by the way. This, that was the uh, interpretation according to Arthur. Uh, uh, that was the version we just read. Uh, my own personal translation of Hebrews 12, 2. I only changed really one word, and it's the word author. Because if you actually look at it, sometimes you can read it and it says pioneer and perfecter or author and perfecter. What I wanted to do, because I went back and I was uh, praying about it and studying it, and, and one of the things that I've, I want us to understand as we talk about God's role in our life 
is that God is still active in our life. That's actually what that phrase is supposed to indicate. And one of the reasons I don't like the word author is I've written three books, two with someone else and one by myself. And there's a moment where the author is done with the book, right? Unlike God with us, I'm going to create a distinction there. Where I remember the day when I sent it off, uh, uh, my first solo manuscript, and I sent it off to Lynn Wilson with Invite Resources, and I said, I'm done. Now, the funny thing is, I wasn't, because he sent back and said, actually, this doesn't work. You need to redo X, Y, and Z. But then there was a moment a month later where it was finally done. You get what they call the galley, and basically they've mocked it up. So you can see it exactly the way it's going to look, and you sign off on it. And you say, here we go, I'm done. You've got it. And the relief of that process where you are finally done and you're, you have nothing else to say, even if you wanted to change something, you can't. That's, I think, sometimes we think about the author and perfecter. We see it in that lens, but that's not what it's trying to get across with God. That's how I think a lot of us think about God. He started it and said, have fun. I'm done. Wipe my hands of it. You're on your own. But that's actually not what's trying to get across in this passage. What they're trying to get across in this passage is actually that God is still with us. The word author or pioneer is really like the founding leader, the one who started it and continues to guide, right? The author and perfecter. I'm about to take my kids bowling for the first time, uh, and I'm really excited. I've not bowled with bumpers in a long time, and I think it's going to help my game. (laughs) But you've got a sense of, like, in the bowling process where you realize we're all kids. There's at some point in time in our lives where we need the bumper rails, right? Not to go off this way and not to go off that way. Uh, that's, uh, and, and here we have in the scripture describing actually Jesus in that kind of way. Where Jesus is actually there as the pioneering leader. He is the founder, the leader, and the perfecter of our faith. That what God is describing here is a partnership between the king of the universe and us. And that God has not left us on our own. It's why I'm so glad we highlighted our prayer ministry this morning. Is because this lens of prayer is actually, I believe, the way in which we connect ourselves primarily to the work of God. Where we go through our days and there's, you know, there's one way of living our life where we go, all right, I've got my fix on Sunday. I'm going to go through my week and God's going to be, you know, I already got my fix. He set me off on the right trajectory. That's not, I believe, the way God thinks about our weeks. The way God thinks about our weeks, I believe, is that we need to have continual refreshers of worship. But that when we wake up uh, Monday morning and we're in the car or we wake up Tuesday at lunch and, and whatever you have going on in the week, that there is a Holy Spirit, there is a God, there is someone who created the universe who actually wants to be in connection with you. Right? As it says in Thessalonians, pray always, pray continually, don't ever stop. Because actually what God is doing right now is perfecting us. It's not like God is here in this space in this moment and then wherever you go to lunch or whatever you do after this, God just said, all right, got my deal for the week. It's not the way God looks at it because God's in the car with you. God's in the conversation with your spouse, your boss, your kids. God is actually shaping and guiding us. The question is, are we hearing God? Are we actually paying attention to the work of God within us? 
Because I really have come to a full understanding, or not full, I have come to a greater understanding of my own limitations, my own human frailty, what I can do and what I can't. And recognizing that as I walk through my days, at every moment, I'm praying that God shapes that next step, and then the step after that, and then the step after that. One of the most important passages that Jesus says, which I think we'll talk about later in Lent, but I decided I'd bring it up again because he can't talk about it enough, is in the sixth chapter of Matthew when Jesus describes what prayer ought to be. And he does it, this is what we call the Lord's Prayer, but I'm going to read it a little bit in context. Because what Jesus says is, he starts by saying, don't pray like the hypocrites out in public. What only matters is whether your heart is attuned to God. And then he says this in Matthew 6. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. By the way, if your father knows what you need before you ask him, then the issue is not you're informing Jesus of what went on in your day, okay? The issue is, how do you connect your heart with God's? How do you connect your intentions with God's? Okay, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. I think, by the way, the Lord's Prayer would take a different feeling if every single week when we said it, we ended up by going, hey, make sure to forgive people because somehow your salvation's wrapped up in that, okay? <laughs> like, I really think our churches actually might all be better if instead we read the entire context of Matthew 6 every week. Don't be like the hypocrites. Pray in quiet. It's not about what others think. And by the way, your salvation is somehow wrapped up and you're partnering with God in the forgiveness and redemption act of this broken world. That's a whole different ballgame. It's also for me the piece where I realize how much of my job in my own personal spiritual walk is about not anticipating tomorrow, but actually today, right? The phrase, give us this day our daily bread. It harkens back to when the Israelites were in the wilderness in the book of Exodus. And they were starving and they were whining because that's what God's people do. We haven't all changed, just for the record. And they were going, God, why did you bring us out here into the wilderness? And in the end, what he does is he gives them bread, manna from heaven every single day. And some people decided they'd be greedy and they would take two portions of bread. They wanted today's bread and tomorrow's bread. They wanted today's answers and tomorrow's answers. They wanted security in Jesus. And the father was like, no, 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 I'm your security. How do you not understand this? And here we are today and I, uh, I will tell you my personal walk with Jesus these last six to nine months has been, okay, Lord, I don't know exactly what tomorrow holds, but today would you direct this step? and the next step after that, and the next step after that, because a walk with Jesus is not one where he just sends us on our way with already written instructions, but rather one where he says, hey, do you remember all those stories of the Old Testament? Of Abraham, of Isaac, of Jacob, of Moses, of David, of all those people. Number one, they were as broken as you. And number two, I was with them till the end. 
Your only task, your only job is to submit yourself to God each and every day so that at the end of the day, you can end your day with prayer as you began it and say, God, thank you for directing my steps in this day. And then the next day, you wake up and you start again, recognizing that the power of God is not one that just started the universe and let it go, or one where he just died and rose from the grave and said, okay, well, I'll see you in heaven, and there's a gap between here and there. That gap was filled by someone called the Holy Spirit saying to us, I will be with you. When you think about Jesus as king or the Alpha and the Omega, you think about all the different names of God, the Lamb of God, the one who is and was and will always be, the one that I actually connect with the most is the one that I can look at and say, okay, hey God, help me right now. I think intellectually it's very helpful to know that he's Alpha and Omega and in the end we're gonna see the Lamb of God on the throne, but really most days I just wanna know I can get through Monday or get through Tuesday, that God will actually work within me to inspire something and that somehow God is gonna take all of the brokenness of all of our lives with us humbly submitting them to God and that somehow God is going to weave that into a tapestry, into a beautiful thing where God looks at us and says, you are my work. Well done, my good and faithful servants. And so as we come to the end of this series, uh, the sermon and worship series, we talk about the names of God. The one that actually hits home is friend. The author, pioneer, leader and perfecter of our faith, the one who is with me today and tomorrow and the day after that, whatever today or tomorrow or the day after that holds. And that the certainty we look for, the assurance that we look for is always going to fail if that assurance isn't Jesus. As the author of Hebrews says, Fix your eyes on Jesus because he started your faith. He is continuing to shape you and he will bring us to perfection where in the end, everything is made right. Praise be to him who does not leave us to our own devices. And can we get a collective amen? <laughs> Let us pray. Gracious God, thank you for not leaving us on our own. Thank you, God, for surrounding us and supporting us. God, you are King and Lord and Alpha and Omega, beginning and end, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, and you are friend. Direct our steps today, and may we look only for today's bread and trust you for tomorrow's as well. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen.